Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast, Week 15 Fantasy Questions Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to win some freaking playoff matchups. We have made it, ladies and mostly gentlemen. And by we, I mean hopefully you, but also myself, Dwayne, The Rock, Mcfarlane, and Chris, and Chris, the Cincy Storm Chaser, Allen. I got no, it out No, no, no. It's Chris Asmuth, Allen. Now, as after as last week, I, I'm gonna take that. I actually prefer that more. Actually, uh oh, uh oh, we've naming competition. Well, because like there was no storms to chase last week, everybody like freaked out because all of the rain and all that, and for the most part, none of it mattered, right? And that's and you guys know me, like my stance on the weather has been that we really only care about the extremes anyway. And if you are going to be starting players in those conditions, you should be worrying about just your core plays. And that's what worked out. So I like Asmuth better. It just it's, sounds way more technical, you know? I'm not going to lie. My biggest takeaway from last week was just how much better of a nickname Showtime is than anything you guys are working with. Who would have thought that uh, Golden Tate himself? Why is AI cooler? generated? Like, what do you want? <laughs> Just another example that AI not quite taking over the world yet, but don't let them get hot. But yeah, with all that aside, everyone, let's get after it. Top 10 questions ahead of week 15, because, you know, we're just trying to make us all a little bit smarter and get those rosters right ahead of the ever important fantasy playoffs. So kicking things off, guys, what Ravens pass catchers can we actually trust in this potential boom spot here coming up against none other than the Jacksonville Jaguars? We've seen Jake Browning and Joe Flacco go for over 300 yards in back-to-back weeks. And I mean, look, Flacco's playing good, guys, but like every single one of those scores was a complete blown coverage-induced call, which, you know, makes sense when you're missing multiple starting cornerbacks and now could also be without safety Andre Sisko. So they were already kind of a pass-funnel defense because they got all those badasses along the line of scrimmage, and now their secondary that already wasn't very good is getting more and more injured. So, Dwayne, I mean, last week, it was Zay Flowers, OBJ, and Isaiah Likely all balling out. Who do you actually trust to go the well with here? ahead of what could be a Sunday night shootout if Mother Nature cooperates. Going to you with that uh, question next, Chris. Yeah, I think it's Flowers and Beckham. I mean, Isaiah Likely is playing enough, but he's not really demanding the targets that we saw last year from him. And it makes sense. Last year, whenever we saw Likely kind of pop up in the in the tight end rankings, when Andrews went down, you didn't have Beckham Jr. You didn't have Zay Flowers to deal with. Heck, you didn't even have Nelson Aguilar or Rashad Bateman. So there are just a lot of other mouths to feed. So likely he's going to be out there. He'll play. If you had to use him as that like high end tight end too, I think you can, but the two names to really focus on are Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham Jr. And with Beckham, like the routes are still not quite there, Ian, but really a a lot of other aspects around utilization and just his ability to earn targets. Like he looks honestly better than Zay Flowers. I mean, he has a 30% targets per route run since week nine. Uh, That's 16% for Flowers. Now, Flowers has been out there 93% of the routes, OBJ only 49%. So that's why both guys remain in play. And Flowers, it's not that he's been bad. Like, he's been good for a rookie by rookie standards, okay? But Beckham has just been so good over the last few games because the 31% air yard share, only 20% for Zay Flowers, and 40% of the end zone target. So when they get OBJ on the field, they're clearly looking to him. They want to get the ball his way. So he's one of these unique situations, even though that route participation that we typically look for isn't there. I think he and Flowers are both in play for this game. It wouldn't surprise me if either one of them lead the team in receiving. Either one of them could come up with the big game. But I slightly lean to OBJ if I'm just looking for a boom ceiling. If I'm just saying, hey, what's my baseline projection? I I would take Zay Flowers every time. But if you're like, hey, which one of these guys could just go off for 30? 
I feel like it's Beckham just because of the way he's getting used down inside the 10 yard line and things like that. And Dwayne, a lot of those factors you mentioned, you can actually find in the utilization hub over at Fancy Life, specifically with our player comparison tool, because you just described it, man. Like not all volume is created equal. So even though we do have flowers having the heightened route rate, as you can see with the tool and we have a highlight and everything, the air yards, the end zone targets can make enough of a difference over time. So love that. But again, moral of the story, both guys can, you know, be confidently started in more lineups than not. Fancy Life consensus wide receiver 26 for Zay Flowers, wide receiver receiver 32 for OBJ. We have them ahead of guys like Deontay Johnson, T Higgins, Brandon Cooks, Marquise Brown, Chris Goblin, amongst others. And as always, you can find those free rankings updated to your liking over at fantasylife.com. But Chris, I mentioned it. We do have a slight weather concern here. As always, shout out to Kevin Roth, free over at rotogrinders.com. Being, you know, an, a big meteorologist and all that stuff, we appreciate you, man. But currently just a yellow grade, not looking like the orange to red, you know, issues we were necessarily projecting last week. But Chris, you know, I am paying attention to what you're saying. And when I see that winds 15 to 20 miles per hour, I know we're approaching the point where things could get a little messy. So overall thoughts on the weather in Jacksonville, all, you know, albeit knowing that it is still just Wednesday as we're recording this. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing for people to point out, because you'll see all that stuff like coming across Twitter, social media or what have you about the potential rain, potential wind. They'll think back to just Baltimore playing against the Rams. They're like, oh, my gosh, like another game like where they're te both teams are having to throw in the driving rain, like and all this, all this shit. Like, let's let's calm down. Let's take a step <laughs> back, because right now all I'm seeing is like you just mentioned in 15 miles per hour typically not on my radar in terms of any sort of condition that's going to make me upset. And then for the rain portion, there are supposed to be showers like earlier on in the day, but by kickoff, since that is the Sunday night game, uh, no precipitation uh, is at least is expected as of right now. So something to pay attention to, but I'm not changing anything, uh, at least when it comes to rostering any of the players in that particular game. To Dwayne's point, I mean, love the call about, uh, about OBJ target healthy targets per route run he's actually had like one of the higher target rates against zone coverage like since he's gotten uh like healthier about week five week six playing more than 50 percent of the snaps uh sixth in yards per route run against zone coverage so if we're thinking that jaguars want to employ a similar approach because it is lamar jackson under center i mean obj say flowers i mean those are your key guys you're going to be starting anyway outside of the running backs like if you're looking to gus or keaton mitchell so yeah obj for definitely for me and then for the weather let's check back around friday saturday but for right now no concerns Matthew Freeman and myself on the Friday edition of this podcast, breaking all the injuries and always do make sure to shout out the most updated weather notes. So right now, only other matchups that we do have to be somewhat concerned with Falcons at the Panthers and Jets at the Dolphins. That one in Miami looking like potentially the biggest issue of the week. But as always, guys, matchups just like weather, far more of a final tiebreaker between a very close decision than something to always be hanging your hat on. Question number two, though, are Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall every week starters in fantasy land despite, you know, we got the Zach Wilson experience. All credit to the guy. I thought he played arguably a single best game with the Jets uh, last week. It was at least top two this season alongside that Kansas City Chiefs performance. So, hey, you know, a bad quarterback can still be right a couple times a season, it seems. And, you know, all due respect to Zach because he is a fun, bad quarterback more weeks than not. So, Dwayne, okay, yeah, maybe last week is just a turnaround. Zach Wilson's all of a sudden a great quarterback. More likely, we're going to see the guy that we've seen for the majority of his career. So, when we look at 
someone like Garrett Wilson, who is wide receiver eight in expected PPR points uh, per game this year. Only A.J. Brown has a higher overall target share, yet he's still sitting there as just a wide receiver 26 in PPR points per game. How are you feeling, again, in a game where we could have, uh, you know, just a potential for him to not only deal with some weather issues, but also have to square up against Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard. They have only allowed DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, and Curtis Samuel to clear even 50 receiving yards since uh, Ramsey got back in week eight. How are you feeling about Garrett Twain? Well, I think the biggest takeaway for us with Garrett Wilson is with a better quarterback, he's an absolute stud. It's hard to say for sure what he will do with Zach Wilson and all the other factors you just mentioned, but we know he's going to get his targets. He's got a 29% target share over the last four games. He's at 32% on the season. I mean, this guy is just insane. Any way you really slice the data, like he comes out looking good as far as his part of the equation, which is, hey, I get open. You need to throw me the ball. Now, once that second part happens, like that's where we run into problems. <laughs> uh, how many of these targets are going to be, you know, or how many of these targets are going to be deemed catchable? Only 69% on the season. Nice. So like out of fantasy viable kind of wide receivers. The only guy that was really worse than that was Amari Cooper. And now he's like jumped way up because of what we've seen with Joe Flacco and his uh, revitalization, who knew of the Browns (laughs) offense, but with Wilson, he's going to get his looks. The offense has really just condensed around him and Brees Hall. And I mean, if you look at what Brees Hall is doing in the passing game, Ian, like that's equally impressive. Um, I mean, he's getting 9.8 carries per game, but 7.8 targets per game over the last four contests so if you look at him over this last four games it essentially looks like what austin eckler's workloads have looked like over the previous three to four seasons you know exclude the year where austin eckler was just like do it all everything but the typical austin eckler role where he was more involved in the passing game getting 10 to 12 rushing attempts but really coming through because of the targets and that's what we've seen with Brees hall last week you you were reminded of what he can do in this kind of role because he gave you the 27 fantasy points in week 14 so you're pretty happy about that but Eckler, that's his closest comp. Like I went back and looked at data over the last 12 years and it was Eckler seasons popping up over notes like Austin (laughs) Eckler, 2019, Austin Eckler, 2020, Austin Eckler, 2022. So I, when I look at Brees Hall, he's a mid range running back too. You have a little bit less of a concern with the weather because short distance targets and Chris can give you more information on this, but when you're checking the ball down to a running back or you're throwing low a dot throws, sometimes this applies to tight ends and stuff as well. There's less chance for the wind to really impact the game. And in fact, you can see quarterbacks lean towards throwing it more underneath. You can see coaches dial up uh, more plays to get the ball to their players underneath because they know the wind's going to be a factor. So I like Brees Hall a little more than Garrett Wilson this weekend because of that. But both guys are going to get their volume. It's just a matter of do we get lucky and one of them scores a touchdown. Chris, thoughts on the underneath targets potentially being, you know, a bit easier because this really is what we're praying is going to continue to happen for Brees Hall. I mean, my God, the guy has gone seven straight games with 50 or fewer scoreless yards on the ground. But hey, when you literally have more PPR points from only receiving production than any running back not named Christian McCaffrey, who cares about rushing yards? Right. And uh, to Dwayne's point, like, yes, you do see that in the data. And that comes down to just... All right, let me learn, let me nerd out for a second. Okay, so here's how it works. So the oblong, like spherical shape of the football, uh, comes down oh, to here how we much go. We're getting deep. Azimuth uh, and oblong sp- spherical shape of football. Are you right. going to work azimuth in? Sorry, not not not, not just... for this one. Not for not for this one. So the the wind impact is just based off of the fact that how much of the surface area of the football it has to the wind has to actually interact with the football itself. So there's both the 
forward momentum of the football, you know, as it leaves the arm of the of the quarterback. So that moves it like forward. But it also has the rotational aspect, right? You want a tight spiral and all that. So that's what keeps it uh, like so that's what keeps it tight. That's what keeps it moving in the general direction. So if they're actually wind does have an impact to it, if you throw it up like high and far, that allows the wind to interact with it more, keeping it short, uh, keeping it shorter in the shorter areas of the area of the field allows less of an impact like on those. So yeah, that actually does work out like in the favor of like your tight ends, your running backs and like slot receivers, players that have fewer air yards per target. So yeah, it, like if the wind actually does, and that's more for a cross breeze than anything else, because you can almost think about wind, let's say if it's either a headwind or a tailwind, almost like adjusting for uh, for a golf swing. If the if the wind is coming directly at you, might want to swing a bit harder so you can get some more juice into it to get it farther out to where you want it to. If it's actually coming from behind you, I mean, swing for the fences because you know the wind is going to help you carry it. So there are small adjustments that need to get made like when it comes to the wind. But of course, for a guy like Brees Hall that's averaging uh, like what, like, uh, like almost like what, 15, 16% like target share, like somewhere in there. I mean, like enough for him to get by, not just on the carries, whether it be like a lack of efficiency or whatever, but from the volume also with the targets. I mean, that's where at least you know that he's somebody that we can rely on from an opportunity standpoint. The efficiency, I mean, like to, to Dwayne's point, it might be hard to come by in an offense that's piloted by Zach Wilson. But if we're going to get those carries, we're going to get those uh, get those uh, receptions. And that should be enough, at least in PPR leagues, for, for what we need. As we saw in the first matchup between these teams, both guys pretty much got by on that volume. Brees Hall caught seven passes for only 24 yards, but again, still a hell of a drug in full PPR scoring. And then Garrett Wilson went out there, seven catches, 44 yards, and one touchdown. That was with the Tim Boyle experience, though. So again, you know, we are talking about two quarterbacks that are objectively bad, but I do think we've seen a slightly higher ceiling there with Zach Wilson under center. Accordingly, Brees Hall, a consensus top 17 running back in our ranks, should be in far, far more fantasy lineups than not ahead of Sunday. All right, guys, next question up. What are we looking forward to most in Cowboys Bills? Chris, we'll start with you here. Matchup of the week. You always have a great column over on fantasylife.com for Fridays. I know that because, you know, I read it and I am part of the company, but also because I did a newsletter for Fridays. So always uh, seeing it before everyone else and enjoy what you got to say, man. But Cowboys at Bills, Chris, what's sticking out to you? Um, so two things sticking out. Uh, well, actually, three things. First, Ooh. being can Ceedee Lamb continue like, his absolute tear uh, down the down the stretch of this, uh, like what he's been doing so far with Dak playing so well. I mean, past seven games, four of those seven games, ten catches, not targets, ten mm -hmm. catches, like in those contests. I mean, had more. I mean, like what four, at least three or four, like hundred yard plus games, touchdown in the in, in multiple contests as well. So if he continues to be the guy that we've seen, like with Dak playing so well. I mean, absolute like wide receiver one, or at least like fantasy MVP like type season, at least for what people will need like down the stretch, like for the playoffs. So that's one. Uh, two on the Bills side, uh, somewhat concerned about like Steph Diggs. I mean, I know the targets have been there, at least they were in week 14. Uh, like the air yard share was back up for him. So he did pass Gabe Davis in that regard. Uh, but I think the most concerning thing is uh, how they're going to deploy their tight ends. Uh, we saw with Dawson Knox back, like he was like at least taking away enough from Dalton Kincaid to be annoying. Like while Kincaid like still popped up as one of the more uh, like you know, heavily targeted players, like for Josh Allen, uh, when Allen was under pressure, uh, Kincaid was actually the most targeted player. So at least he still has like that role like coming for him. But if Knox is still taking away again, like four targets, five targets, 
I mean, just enough in order to push uh, push Kincaid back into the lower end tier of tight ends versus where we were kind of hoping he'd be in the middle class. I think that's enough at least to have some concerns about what this game could be and what we should think is going to be effectively be a, a shootout. So while Kincaid might have that ceiling, is that floor going to be there for him? And I'm not entirely sure with, with Knox coming in and taking enough of what we saw like in uh, week 14. Dwayne, you know, resident Cowboy fan. So if you want to preach about Dak for MVP or something, go right ahead, man. But I'm down with you know, that. I'll hear all that all day. <laughs> definitely, though, uh, Dwayne, speak to some of the Kincaid usage. And then also, I know James Cook was someone you wanted to highlight in your utilization report. Because let's face it, on the Cowboys, Dak, CD, Pollard, even Jake Ferguson at this point, you're starting them everywhere. And Brandon Cook's boomer bust wide receiver three. Like, we really know who the Cowboys are. It's the Bills offense that has been changing slowly but surely over these past few weeks, not only because of the return of Dawson Knox, but also just, you know, moving on from Ken Dorsey and now having the Joe Brady experience at OC. Yeah, I would say real quick on Diggs, I just, I'm not worried about it. I know he's been in a little bit of a slump, but like you said, Chris, the targets are still there. Also playing a very man-heavy unit and Brother. they love to target, right? They love to target uh, Stefan Diggs against man coverage. He has a 28% target share for the Bills against man this year. The next closest is Gabe Davis at 18%. Then you got Dalton Kincaid at 14%. Targets per route run, which I like to look at for that as well, 25% for Diggs, 17% for Kincaid, and 16% for Gabe Davis. But the other guy is James Cook, who you mentioned, Ian, and since the takeover of Joe Brady as OC from week 11 to week 14, a 31% targets per route run. Opportunities come out to 19.7 per game with 20.1 fantasy points. What's interesting is he's not getting a ton more work as far as route participation. But it's kind of like the OBG, OBJ thing we just talked about. When he's out there, they want to get him the ball. And he's also one of these unique running backs where when you go to play against man coverage, he's still getting the looks. He has a 21% targets per route run. There are only a few running backs in the NFL that can claim that. You might have heard of some of these names. Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Jarek McKinnon. We just talked about the other one is Brees Hall. So these are very high-end receiving options, and we're seeing them get him the ball down the field. And I think you're going to get a couple of chances for that this week, Ian. The Cowboys, you know, do have a hybrid linebacker in Bell that does pretty good at covering these kind of running backs. So I think it's going to be an interesting matchup, but all it takes is one for James Cook. And we've seen a couple of plays where James Cook, even though he scored this 20.1 fantasy points, he's had some sheeshes. Uh, yeah. in this stretch as well. He had that one where he got down the sideline and it was just off his fingertips. Oh. That's probably a touchdown on a better thrown ball. But he's got this ability to get out there and make mismatches against the linebackers and safeties when he gets singled up. And he can certainly pay off in a way that a lot of other running backs can't because he can beat you with that one big play. I did mention uh, Stefan Diggs' brother, Trayvon. Yes, he is injured for this season. I sadly uh, let that slip my mind. That would have been freaking awesome this week. They had the uh, Pro Bowl matchup a couple years ago. I remember they put Trayvon in on offense, and they had Stefan in on defense, and then Kirk Cousins literally threw the ball elsewhere on the first play. Like, seriously, Kirk, we're doing this right now. But uh, <laughs> got to follow know, his progression. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully in a future year, we do get that rematch. But uh, I have a couple notes in my uh, article here. I was just kind of trying to find the weakest point here. I kind of did a similar exercise for uh, nine 
49ers Eagles the other weekend. Really like the only group in terms of EPA per play run pass overall. The only thing on either team that is outside the top 10 is the Bills run defense. They're actually 18th in that. And accordingly, you know, we have seen teams like the Eagles going for a buck 85, the Jets earlier on in the year going for 172. That has kind of been the way to look the Bills, uh, make the Bills look more human than not. So whether the Cowboys will really be able to, you know, instill their will on the ground remains to be seen. But that is, you know, kind of the one weak spot on either side of the football, on either sideline in this game. The only other thing would just be generally the turnovers involved because the Bills do rank 24th in turnovers on offense, but have the single most takeaways on defense. Meanwhile, the Cowboys have turned the ball over the second fewest times in, in the entire league while rocking up the fifth most takeaways. So big turnover or two. Can the Bills stop the run? We shall see. I, however, am going with the Cowboys taking this one 28-27. Any final score prediction, guys? You want to go on a limb or you can also just leave me hanging. That's I don't, cool. I don't have a final score predict, prediction, but I do predict that Deron Bland, as good as he's played, gets burned for a long one because Josh Allen has the ability to extend plays. We know Stefan Diggs is one of the best route runners in the league. You're going to get a double move. Gabe Davis eh, doesn't really do double moves very well. If you kind of watch him <laughs> run him, it's like, I'm just going to take off straight. And even if he tries to act like he's breaking the cornerbacks, just like, okay, bro, like I know you're just going to go deep. I'm not buying this. But I think Diggs is going to get loose on Bland for one. Um, I don't think he'll have a DK Metcalf game, but I think he does get loose on a big one at least one time. Now we're Chris, not going to see like Stefan Diggs like doing, you know, like you know, you know, like doing like no stand on stand on business, <laughs> uh, you know, sign language or nothing like that. Maybe who knows? Uh, who knows? I don't know that he's taking the sign language like DK. That's probably not up with the ASL, uh, you know, like DK is. But no, I, I think I think you guys are right. I think there's at least like one one big play or at least maybe a couple of big plays that allows him to like to uh, to really like burn like bland or like even any of the other like secondary corners like for dallas i still think the cowboys like wind up getting the you know like beating up on the bills a little bit i'm thinking like 30 27 30 24 like somewhere in there i think that's probably about like where i would expect like definitely hitting the over for sure Hopefully a great game either way. But yeah, don't count out Gabe Davis though, guys. Do I have any like actual like, you know, matchup data to, you know, help this point out? No, but in week seven, he had six scoreless yards. The next game, 87 yards and a touchdown. Then he goose eggs. Then he has 56 yards. Then he goose eggs. Then he has 105 yards and a touchdown. Last week, he goose eggs. So by science, he's clearly on track to again, have a boom game because that's just how Gabe Davis works. Hold All on, right, guys. the over on his, on his uh, receiving prop. Give me a second. Hold on. Easy. <laughs> Make it happen, Chris. All right, guys. Question number four. Is there any hope for the Nick Mullins experience? Dwayne, I've been talking about, uh, you know, CJ Bethard and some of these articles saying like he's the one guy we've seen in San Francisco not be able to put up, you know, high efficiency numbers with Kyle Shanahan. That wasn't the case with Nick Mullins. I mean, there was a time when he was coming out and I don't know if you guys have seen the first 16, first 17 game graphics, but Nick Mullins, man, like has some really intriguing early career numbers to his name and he did enough, you know, back in the 2018 season to help George Kittle go absolutely bonkers down the stretch and end up breaking the position single season receiving yards record. And I mean, just looking at those games, man, from week nine to week 17, four different performances with, you know, multiple passing touchdowns. He finished with at least 200 pass, 220 passing yards in every single game. No, wasn't, you know, going for 350 and, you know, three touchs each and every week, but we've seen Nick Mullins and well-schemed offenses with playmakers everywhere, be able to just keep the offense grooving and get production to his playmakers. Dwayne, he will have Justin Jefferson back, who already said he's going to play through that chest injury. No Alexander Madison, so it kind of makes, well, probably no Alexander Madison, I should say. So having Ty Chandler. 
yeah, is yeah. ruled out. There we go. So Ty Chandler, I would just expect them to probably lean a bit more into the past, you know, not having their usual bell car running back there. Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson. I mean, the pieces are there for them to make some good things happen. And it's a winnable enough matchup against a Bengals team that, lest we forget, all of a sudden can put up points in their own right and potentially make this one into a sneaky shootout. So overall confidence level on Nick Mullins, Dwayne, who I sadly, in a uh, you know super flex league or two, really could uh, love hearing uh, you say some nice things about him because that's uh, that's how we're feeling right now. I had to max bid Nick Mullins in two super flex <laughs> leagues myself. Uh, one of us. One, I had, one of us. One I had Justin. One of, one of them I had mm-hmm. Justin Herbert. So had to go all in. I did manage to get him. I it's one of those where I went and looked to see how how much all the other managers in my league had, and there was too many guys above me, so I just had to push all my chips in the middle. I think I left myself two dollars, but I am a proud Nick Mullins. Roster guy. Uh, I don't want to say owner. People get mad. I'm a manager. I'm a manager of Nick Mullins, maybe. Um, So, yeah, you mentioned a lot of this stuff. I broke this down like folks want to go read it. Back in week nine, when we first had the Christian um, Christian Kirk. What? I did this the other night on the on the on the pod. Christian Kirk and Kirk Cousins. Like, good grief, Dwayne. Like, next thing I'm going to do is say (laughs) Captain Kirk. Be like on some freaking Star Trek rant. Um, Yeah, so when you look at Mullins, thrown for 250-plus yards and 65% of his NFL starts. Uh, So I just looked at the 17 games where he had at least 70% of the snaps. He averaged 268 yards and 1.4 touchdowns in those games. He threw for a touchdown and 94%. He threw for two-plus touchdowns and 35% of games. So that 250 mark is what I care about, and he was over that 65% of the time because 250, rule of thumb, if you want to support two Solid fantasy receiving options. That's around where you need to be. If you want to, if you want to start being able to consistently support three, you got to be pushing up towards the 300 range. Well, I think this offense, as much as we like Jordan Addison, it's really all about Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson whenever they're healthy. So I think both of those guys are fine. I have Justin Jefferson inside my top six wide receivers this year, this week. I have TJ Hawkinson as my tight end too. So yeah, I think everything you said goes here, Ian. Um, he has played well when surrounded by weapons. I think Kevin O'Connell, O'Connell is a plus schemer. I don't know that he's like the best one ever. Can't put him in the Shanahan category. But this is a guy that comes from the McVay tree. Like he knows what he's doing. Generally speaking, when he's been with the Vikings, we've seen a good offense, and they're willing to throw the ball. And you mentioned with the injury to, to Alexander Madison. Did you mean to call Alexander Madison a bell cow back? But anyway, uh, yeah, I like Nick Mullins this week, and I. I I really like both of his top two weapons. It also helps that, you know, he's been on the team for these last two seasons. We're not talking about Joe Flacco rolling off the couch, but then again, that actually has worked out pretty well for him. So maybe that is the uh, ideal way to play quarterback now in the year 2023. But hey, we're not trying to make out Mullins to be this, you know, savior for the Vikings. If you look at it though, he's been efficient. Like, yeah, a lot more interceptions than we'd hope for, but guess what? Those aren't really properly baked into fantasy points. So we don't care. Among 62 qualified QBs since he's coming to the league, he's actually 11th in yards per attempt and ninth in adjusted yards per attempt or adjusted completion rate. I should say, yeah, 47th in PFF passing grade, 34th in passer rating, not pitting him out to be a savior. But again, when he's facing the Bengals, 26th in the EPA allowed per pass, the Lions, 27th in the Packers, 20th in these final three weeks. I do think there could be some really, really good times ahead here for Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. So keep firing them up as the studs they've been in lineups of all shapes and sizes. Chris, I'm going to spring one on you, but it's the Bengals. So I think you'll be uh, good here, man. But Jake Browning is pretty much what I think like every 
everyone thinks Brock Purdy is because you look at it and the top two quarterbacks and yards per attempt, the completion rate and in passer rating are none other than Brock Purdy and Jake Browning. However, mm -hmm. Brock Purdy actually has like a respectable average target depth. Like he's right there with Trevor Lawrence at 16th. He does throw the ball downfield. If you want to critique him about some other stuff, you can, but like he's not this dink and duck, you know, low dot artist. That's Jake Browning. He is the only quarterback among 43 without an average target depth over even six yards a season. So impressions on the new uh, Jay Burr and Cincy, Chris, because, hey, style points in real life and fantasy. We're not getting anything extra for him. But, you know, I would say having watched him, yeah, he's impressed me. But yeah, I don't think uh, we're shouting to, from the rooftops that he should be in the uh, MVP consideration here either. Right. And there's no uh, quarterback controversy. There's no I saw the takes originally like Joe Burrow's a system quarterback. Like we ain't, we ain't doing it. We ain't doing all that. Uh, but it, it is good to see like the it is good to see that the coaching staff is willing and capable of like manipulating this offense into something that's more comfortable for their starting quarterback which is something that, I mean, we were on this show, what was it, like weeks five, six, seven, or whenever Burrow was still uh, dealing with a calf injury, and I was asking questions about, like, why couldn't they do this earlier? Like, why weren't they shaping their offense around, like, what they could do, like, what Joe Burrow was incapable of doing at the time? So I do like how, like, Browning has been able to play a bit more under center, 26%, like, under center rate over the past, like, three weeks. Joe Burrow was, like, less than half of that. They've been able to call a more traditional offense, uh, still working in the play action game. We've seen more screens. So guys like Chase Brown just this past week with him being one of the faster ball carriers in the entire league, like getting out there, showcasing his speed, still working in chase, still working in T when he's available. So being able to, I guess, make all of those pass catchers that are a part of the Bengals offense still fantasy reliable. That's what I care about. Offense also looking efficient. So regardless of if we wind up making the playoffs, playoffs or not, I think now at least we have some sense of what this offense is capable of uh, what this coaching staff is capable of. So I'm fine with it. Chris mentioned Chase Brown being one of the fastest players in the NFL. He's not kidding. Now with the next-gen stats, you know, fastest ball carrier leaderboard, number one DK Metcalf, number two Chase Brown, and with the Cowboys' Kevontae Turpin sliding to the fifth spot for the first time since, like, freaking week five out here. It's not a top five solely, you know, dominated by Miami Dolphins. Yeah, they still have six of the nine spots, but hey, Jamar Chase is there, Kenneth Walker, Bengals and Seahawks have got some speed out there in their own right. Everyone, before we move on to the next question, I want to give a quick shout out to our lovely friends over at DraftKings because the holiday season is approaching and the NFL season is going strong. Fantasy Life has partnered up with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official partner of the NFL, and right now they have an offer you do not want to miss. All customers can get a no-sweat bet on any same-game parlay or same-game parlay X. All you got to do is download a DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up using the questions promo code. And if you're a new customer, you're definitely going to want to listen up because right now on DraftKings, new customers who bet just $5 will get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Wondering what you can do with your $150 in bonus bets? Well, you can combine multiple bets together for a shot at an even bigger payout. And if sports betting is not yet available in your state, sorry, but not to worry. You can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports. We'll even have some, you know, bull calls revolving around the main slate here coming up in just a bit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. All customers can, again, use that promo code QUESTIONS and get a no-sweat bet. Get a bonus bet back if your same-game parlay bet loses. Max reward limits apply. And again, that's promo code questions only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Guys, I'm just going to run through uh, this next one here. Got a full list of my article, but basically want to break down who are some quality handcuff options to stash sooner rather than later. And spoiler, they're not going to be helping you in week 15 because they are still very much in the handcuff line of thinking. But again, guys, we just saw what Ty Chandler and Zamir White did, you know, to the waiver wire, just kind of overall madness this week. So don't necessarily need to be a star in order to become a waiver wire star, especially at this point in the season. So under 50% roster ship in Yahoo right now, we have Ty Tyler Algier with the Falcons, Tajay Spears with the Titans, Miles Sanders. Yes, that is right. Miles Sanders is now a handcuff with the Panthers. Kenneth Gamewell with the Eagles, Chase Brown with the Bengals, Rico Dowdle with the Cowboys, Dearness Johnson with the Jaguars, and Jordan Mason with the 49ers. Now, Jordan Mason is dependent on Elijah Mitchell remaining sideline with that knee injury, but when the guy's not out there practicing for a week straight and miss week 14, for right now, I do think it's Mason. But Dwayne, again, these are guys under 50%, but hysteria. Historically, maybe a non-handcuff is actually still available in 35% of leagues. Uh, Clyde Bertolaire, maybe people should go pick him up. <laughs> As you were pulling it up, I just pulled up Yahoo to follow along with you and, you know, kind of check your work, And I was like, oh, my God, Clyde Bertolaire, only 35%. <sighs> Chandler is only 36%. So this is one of the things that happened right, when the fantasy playoffs get here. Well, now you're down to four to six teams playing, where before you had 10 to 12. So you have six people checked out. And this is where you... This is something you need to think about, though, because it's not just picking up a player for you. You want to block your opponent, especially mm -hmm. if your opponent is in need of a running back. So if you've got a spot that you can cut someone, now that's always the tough part. You're a good team. You've made it in the playoffs, so you're trying to decide, what am I going to let go to go pick up one of these players? But if you have something that's borderline, especially if you have a if who you're playing in your matchup needs this player, I'll lean towards just blocking them if I yep. can, you know, and, and I've had that backfire on me before with who I've dropped and things like that. So it can be kind of a tricky situation, but yeah, it is pretty interesting to see both Chandler and Clyde Edwards, Alaire. Um, Chandler's in role and he's in line for a full-time role this weekend. And right now it's trending towards another week with CEH as the lead back because Pacheco missed practice again today. Good notes there. So yes, keep up tight Chandler. By the time you guys are listening to this, uh, the Raiders will have already played on Thursday, but Samir White in that same boat as yep. well. Guys, next question here. Can we suddenly feel somewhat okay about this Giants offense? Because Chris, I mean, look, Tommy DeVito, man, as we all know, wins are directly correlated to how good your quarterback is. And he has ripped off three straight. I kid, I kid. But seriously, the guy's going out there and he's actually making some good throws here and there. That said, Giants have scored six, 17, 31, 10, and most recently 24 points with him under center. I mean, he's been under 200 yards in four of his five extended appearances. So look, we have Saquon Barkley, Chris, doing great things in the run game. He's just getting force fed the football. I think he's number two in rushing yards over expected per carry this year. So same old Saquon, you know, honestly, just credit to him for being, you know, a leader through all this stuff from the team, not really paying him much extra at all when he wanted that extra bonus. Now just again, existing and more or less thriving in fantasy land during what is pretty much otherwise a lost season thoughts on, you know, DeVito being able to enable anyone else in this passing game. I think it's just those core two, at least for fantasy purposes, because are we really going to try and trust like Jalen Hyatt? Isaiah Hodgins, even though he wound up getting the touchdown this past week. I mean, that, that'd be a tough sell for me unless you're in like the deepest of leagues. Uh, but Wandale, like you mentioned, I mean, popping out for, I think his like, either not uh, his like highest target share of the season, definitely the most targets he's received in a single game, like so far this year. And for Saquon, so far with Tommy DeVito under center, he's played more snaps in the red zone with DeVito than with Tyra Taylor, 
with Daniel Jones. I mean, at least puts him in position to score points, like to at least get the money touches that we know we need for a guy like Saquon Barkley. So while the targets have been there for, for Barkley throughout most of the season and the carries have been there for the most part, there has been some switch off between him and Matt Breda at times. But if DeVito is moving that offense, getting them inside the getting inside the red zone, and that's really all we need for the guys that at least for the one guy that we know that we want to roster, which is Saquon Barkley. So for for those purposes, I'm good with DeVito. I'm good with all this. Like I, I don't care. Like give, give me more of that so I see more of Barkley like running into the end zone. One note on slot wide receiver Wandale Robinson is facing a Saints defense that has allowed bottom seven marks in both receptions and receiving errors allowed to wide receivers. A line from the slot this season finally has that full-time role. Yeah, still not quite cracking the top 50 in our rankings. So please, for the love of God, don't be starting him over. You know, your wide receiver three studs out there. But hey, I'm in a couple 14-team leagues. We got to have like two or three wide receiver spots and another two or three flexes. And I was happy to add Wandale to that, you know, depth today. So keep that in mind. Guys, question number seven here. Who is the best quarterback in the NFC South? I want you listening to this right now to just think about it for a second. We have Baker Mayfield, Derek Carr, Desmond Ritter, and Bryce Young. Who do you think is the very best at this very second? Okay. Give me Baker at this very second. <laughs> Chris? Yes. I, think Carr, I think Carr when he's healthy. It's closest. That's what I kind of thought. Yeah, I was like, yeah, give me Baker, right but Carr, more times than not. I asked Twitter, and I got almost 40,000 votes. It was 81% Baker Mayfield. Derek there Carr actually finished behind uh, Bryce Young. So that was just uh, shocking, guys. Baker Mayfield, <laughs> unanimous. Bryce Young? Yeah. Desmond Ritter was actually bad. last. <laughs> People do not like Derek Carr. Wow. And I mean, Ritter his own last. teammates don't, clearly. I mean, with all the arguing that he's I, I, Honestly, on that note, like, I know we can't get on a tangent here, but I feel bad for Derek Carr. Everybody yeah. all along has been like, oh, he's too nice. Like, he's got a prayer circle going everywhere, you know. it's it, And now he's finally pissed off about stuff, demanding accountability from his teammates, yelling at them. They're yelling back at him. And everybody's mad at him. You can't have it both ways. Like, which way do you want it? Do you want like Kumbaya Derek Carr? Or do you want the one that wants, you know, to, to crack some skulls and get people whipped into shape? Like the guys, his career, it's passing before his eyes. He wants to win games. I kind of like the new fiery Derek Carr. Normally we like a heel. I thought as America, we like when guys turn heel. So it's like, and now we got that. Now we got it. And so nobody likes him. Uh, Man, my sad. beef was like earlier in the year where we had like some major shishas to Alave, but Alave's obviously been crushing it for the last four or five yeah. weeks out there. And I mean, mm -hmm. Carr just playing through the injuries. So yeah, I just thought those uh, poll results were pretty uh, hilarious. Did not expect him to be that wide, but you know what? That happens sometimes. Life in the big city, as you might say. Guys, a few more questions, but first just want to note that, hey, football fans looking for the perfect holiday gift this season, or maybe you want to buy yourself something special, well, get ready to suit up in style with the all new Boss NFL Collection. Elevate your game, game day experience with the perfect blend of sophistication and sportiness. From hoodies to tees to polos, Boss has crafted a collection that lets you show off your team pride with elevated style. Whether you're at the stadium or cheering from the comfort of your home, make a statement with the Boss NFL Collection. Being a fan never looks so good with the exclusive NFL Collection by Boss. Precision, passion, and unparalleled style is more than just fashion. It's a lifestyle. Don't just watch the game. Own it. Head over to HugoBoss.com to discover the ultimate fusion of fashion and football because when it comes to winning on and off the field it's boss or nothing Ooh, that's a good line guys just like a champion because you are one boss nfl collection is where elegance meets the end zone a few more here guys moving on 
Question number eight, can Jaden Reed be trusted as a legit wide receiver too in this smash spot? Dwayne, ever really sensed that, you know, CJ Stroud performance against the Buccaneers, like his true, like, holy shit, this guy is really, you know, him sort of performance. We have seen, you know, a lot of offenses continue to burn this banged up Tampa Bay defense. Still without Jamel Dean, they started to get guys like Carlton Davis back and everything, but also had Devin White out of the picture last week. So thoughts on Jaden Reed, who, hey man, last five games, PPR wide receiver 12, wide receiver 11, wide receiver 25, wide receiver 50, and most recently wide receiver six. Not quite Debo Samuel. We don't have to compare every wide receiver who gets carries to Debo Samuel, Dwayne, but certainly someone we can feel better about on top of the receiving production, having this newfound rushing role too. Yeah. I mean, over that stretch, he's averaging for 16 fantasy points per game. So, I mean, that by definition makes you uh, a borderline wide receiver one. I still look at him as a high-end wide receiver three, but it is trending towards Christian Watson being out of this game as well. We could also be in trouble as far as A.J. Dillon goes. They're trying to get Aaron Jones back, but we've got A.J. Dillon with now a thumb injury in practice, so don't know if that's going to be, you know, like Jonathan Taylor. You know, come on, Jonathan. Let's get back out there on the field. It's a Rub some dirt on it. Wrap it up, and let's go. We got fantasy championships to try to win. Um, (laughs) But with Jaden Reed, yeah, I think he's a borderline wide receiver two this week. Um, route participation we would love to see more even last week with all the injuries and everything only 67 percent. so they'll let dontavian wicks they'll let they'll let uh malik heath get out there and it's not malik heath this is a different heath i got the wrong heath anyway no, i think you actually got it is it yeah. okay all right malik heath. i will say I though of, uh wicks is probably going to be out with his own ankle injury i'm thinking malik turner yeah yeah so malik yeah so yeah malik Heath. <laughs> yes but yeah wicks you know suffered the injury last week during the game but still Jaden Reed was only at a 67 percent so no Watson Wicks hurt and he still couldn't get to like an 80 85 percent route participation so yeah we would rather see him higher in that category but another one of these players and we're seeing it more and more these days like what we talked about with OBJ liked like what we talked about with James Cook when he's on the field they want to get this guy the ball so I do feel good about Jaden Reed consensus wide receiver 26 for our fantasy life ranks now ahead of guys like zay flowers tyler lockett calvin ridley and drake london not consensus across our rankers again you can see who Dwayne has who i have was and also freeman out there for yourself but yeah certainly someone that again you can feel really good about this week tampa bay buccaneers guys 27th or worse in terms of yards per attempt passer rating and contested target rate two wide receivers aligned from the slot really looking good and fun fact for every uh, player with at least 10 carries this season Jaden Reed, NFL high, 10.8 yards per carry. Got it. Love that. No Debo Samuel, but I'm going with Gen Z Randall Cobb with this one. All right, guys. Question number nine. What volume-based RB2 types do we truly trust this week? Because, Chris, I go to the Fantasy Life projections made by our own Dwayne McFarlane, Matthew Friedman, amongst others, and I look, and yeah, there's seven RBs projecting to see 20 or more combined carries and targets. Some of them, you know, usual suspects, obvious RB1s, Kyron Williams, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, even Rashad White and Bijan Robinson. You guys don't need us to tell you to start them. But when I see names like Zach Moss, like Ezekiel Elliott, and even like a Chuba Hubbard coming in just outside of 20. Where do you fall on those trio of guys, Chris? Maybe just more so Chuba and Zeke, because I know everyone, we've been burned by Zach Moss. And if you want to curse us for telling you to start him again, so be it. But when the guy is getting RB1, high-end RB1 utilization week after week, had a ticky-tack touchdown taken off the board, we just don't bench running backs projecting to see over 20, you know, touches and good offenses, which the Colts have been this year, eighth in scoring. But Chris, Chuba, he's in the 30th ranked scoring offense. Zeke, he's in the 32nd 
second-ranked scoring offense. We've still seen them have some good games, but how confident are you that that will continue here when it matters most in the fantasy playoffs? I think Zeke was probably the easiest one that we could root for, just given the offensive situation for Chuba. And also, I mean, the Falcons' defense has been actually one of the tougher outs like for, for opposing running backs. It's still, the Chris, I believe, I don't think they've allowed a single rushing touchdown to an opposing running back this year. I've heard Madness. that. Yeah, I've heard a similar stat. That's that's insane. Like for a defense that, honestly, I thought a lot of us were targeting uh, like throughout most of last yeah. season. So, I mean, credit where it's due in terms of them like uh, making enough free agent ads like, you know, Jesse Bates, uh, Jeff Akuda, like so on and so forth. So I think Zeke is probably your best bet. Now I know that means you're relying on Bailey Zappi, Juju Smith Schuster, and you know the rest of the Devonte Parker in order to move the ball down the field, like for Zeke to score. But we saw how much he was involved in that offense. I mean, the target share. I mean, the like a complete control over like this uh, the Patriots backfield. I mean, there was just zero opportunity for any of the other guys uh, from uh, like in week 14. So if we are getting that volume, there's a chance at least we can see them like start to move the ball a bit. I mean, the Chiefs defense like Walls has been tough throughout the most of the year. And not to say they're going to be like the Bills last week or anything like that. But again, uh, from a PPR standpoint, the target share is going to be there. The, uh, the volumes, the carries are going to be there. So I would at least put him in that RB2, like volume dependent RB2 that we can trust like for week 15. Accordingly, coming in as the RB18 in the consensus ranks, as high as RB13, I'm the lowest at RB21. But again, you know, even that is going to be a ranking that's going to cause him to be in more lineups than not. Similar sentiment, just to a slightly lesser extent for Chuba Hubbard, again, as high as RB21, as low as RB25. So we have them there. Dwayne, kind of relative to those guys, where do we see some other, you know, seemingly volume based RB2, maybe more RB3 types like Clyde Edwards Alaire and now even Ty Chandler fitting into the equation? Yeah, Edward Delaire, Ty Chandler, um, those guys are probably going to end up. Well, we know Chandler's going to have a full workload. He's going to be, uh, he'll play on Saturday. But then, as far as like the main slate, we could have Clyde, Clyde Edwards Delaire. He's only $5,000 right now on DraftKings. So, um, look, there's some receivers that we want to go up to get. So that's kind of intriguing, even though we know he's not very good. Uh, what about James Conner? What are your thoughts on him, Ian? I hate the matchup, but the yeah. last time we saw James Conner, like the Cardinals, they're very hard to decipher the backfield, but they went back to giving James Conner all the work. I will tell you, every time we've trusted James Conner to be the, the main guy, that next game, he does not get the workload. So it's, it's hard to be confident in it, and it's not a very good matchup. But like he's $5,700. Antonio Gibson's another name to keep an eye on. Brian Robinson didn't mm -hmm. practice yesterday. I haven't heard the reports today, so we'll have to wait and see. Early in the week, we heard he was going to practice this week for the Commanders. Yeah. But if he does not... It would be Antonio Gibson, who right now is 5,200. I do think Chris Rodriguez would get involved as well. But I think Gibson still probably gets like half of the attempts, and I think that he is going to get most of the passing down work. So those guys would all be in that mix. But you you said at the top like that we're confident in. My problem is I'm not very confident in any of these. Um, yeah. Chandler is the one I would be the most comfortable with outside of the guys you already named with Chuba and Zeke. And that is the thing. I mean, all these guys, like Zeke is the highest ranked. And then below that, we again get to Chuba. After him, James Conner, Ty Chandler sitting right there in the same area. And the Washington running backs right now aren't cracking the top 30. So I do think the game script is set up fine for Antonio Gibson, even given that Chris Rodriguez is probably going to get, you know, an equal portion of the rush attempts, more or less just kind of replacing what Robinson does. Hey, guys, you know, I know I'm not alone here in thinking that Matthew Stafford and company are going to go bonkers against that, you know, underqualified uh, Washington second. 
secondary. So if that happens, expect to see a lot of Antonio Gibson in the ever pass first Washington offense. But guys, enough of that. Let's get to the main event here. The DraftKings Bowl Call of the Week presented by, you guessed it, DraftKings. What is your bowl call for week 15, gentlemen? Chris, we'll start with you. So we're going to have to get uh, a little gross at the wide receiver position in order to play some of the high-end guys like for for this week, whether it's going to be uh, Christian McCaffrey because we know that the matchup that he has against the Cardinals is going to be one that people are going to want to target. Uh, even like the most of the Rams wide receivers, whether it's Puka Nakua, whether it's Cooper Cup, who finally got over 100 yards, uh, even Kyron Williams, like most of the Rams guys we are going to want to target. You want to get really weird, fellas? I'll pitch you Demarcus Robinson. Oh, 3,600 bucks, 10 targets last week without Tyler Hickby on the field. Actually led the team in air yards. I know it's gross, but he was actually involved in the red zone as well. So if you want, I mean, if you want to look at it from a leverage standpoint, you want to look at it from a low priced wide receiver that could potentially get volume. Tutu Atwell's still in the concussion protocol, if memory serves, and Higby's working his way back from that stinger that knocked him out of, of last week. So it's like, I know Demarcus Robinson in the year of our Lord 2023, it's gross. But if Matthew Stafford playing the way that he has been, and if he's going to get at least some volume, I'm not expecting 10 targets, but if he is going to get that type of volume in a matchup that we know most folks are, go are going to want to target, Demarcus Robinson, for his cost on DraftKings, like I said, like 3600 right now, it's at least worth thinking about. Uh, it's at least worth considering like for, for week 15. You have my uh, attention, Chris, but now you have my curiosity. I like that Robinson call. I'm going to be going with maybe a bit more chalky option here, but you know what? When the chalk hits, that chalk hits, baby. Amari Cooper gets in on the Joe Flacco party and goes for seven catches, 125 yards, and two tutties against a Bears defense that has surprisingly actually been pretty good against the run this year. But guess what? When it's 2023 and you got Mr. Elite under center, that is just fine for our purposes. So even after getting banged up in that initial week, 13 game. Cooper still has a team high 18 targets with Flacco under center. I mean, he had 14 last week alone, and I just think this matchup is one that he should be able to absolutely boom in. So, I was a little bit concerned about the rib and you know, the concussion last week, but went out there and really did look like his usual self. Just couldn't quite get in on the scoring party. So, Bears this year have already allowed 13 receiving touchdowns to opposing wide receivers. That is tied for the 7th highest mark in the league, and again, not exactly expecting him to be, you know, this 5% owned guy on DraftKings or anything, but but sitting there at 6,000, he's got Rasheed Rice and DeAndre Hopkins as the next two wide receivers above him. And I think because there's those three options, we might see them kind of eat into each other. And just to Chris's point about this maybe being a slate where people are really spending up, you know, trying to get those top Rams receivers, we're going to see a lot of lineup construction just based around, again, kind of these rags to riches sort of players. So maybe investing more so in that middle tier of guys can end up giving you plenty of boom upside and additionally a lower owned overall roster. So love Love, love, love Amari Cooper. And I just don't think he should be, you know, 1400 less than someone like Jalen Waddle, given the matchups, given the weather and given all the things we know about this, you know, suddenly ascending Joe Flacco led Browns passing attack. So Dwayne, we got Demarcus Robinson and Amari Cooper so far. Who are you feeling? Well, you guys have hit on everything. Like I didn't have Demarcus Robinson written down, but I had Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua and Amari Cooper written down. Hey. So you guys have been like all around <laughs> it. Um, Here's what I'll say. I love the Cooper call. Six grand is too low. 
on DK, in my mm-hmm. opinion, for a guy that could be a mid-range wide receiver one. Like an Amari is still a guy that can come through with a wide receiver one overall performance. He's good yep. enough, right? So I really do like your call on that one. I like where Chris is thinking on the Rams. I do think Stafford's going to get steamed this weekend because it's 6K. Like it's just too cheap and Stafford's his game log looks great over the last three contests. And we've got the matchup against Washington. There's just going to be too many reasons for people to click on him. But because Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, like their salaries haven't really come down even over their lull. So Cooper Cup's still sitting at 7,800. I think people are going to struggle to get both of them in the lineup. So I think there's a way that like you could still be unique and use the Rams. Um, Kyron Williams is my number two running back this weekend on the slate. He's 7,500. Well, he's also involved in the passing game, so I don't think it's an absolute that you have to go away from Kyron Williams if you use Stafford and one of the other pass catchers. So I think there's a chance you could still use three Rams because they're, you know, Kyron and the two wide receivers are priced up. I think you could still create some double stacks, get in on the game you want, but still get your lineup to be unique. I think people are going to have a little bit of a tough time building rosters that have cup plus Nakua plus Stafford or plus Kyron because of the price tag. So you have to find a way to get creative. You're going to have to use like a Clyde Edwards Alaire um, at 5K. You're going to have to do some things like that. You're probably going to have to use like a Logan Thomas bring back, bring back at 3,700. Or maybe you use one of the cheaper Washington wide receivers like a Jahan Dotson, potentially a Curtis Samuel. Um, the one other name that I would throw out there that you, was right by the name you mentioned, Ian, it's not necessarily my bold call, but I mean, I'll go with it. I don't mind. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Like it's been up and down, but you talked about it on Sunday night on our pod. Um, Will Levis has been better as of late. Like he's doing some nice things and we have DeAndre Hopkins who's still continuing to absolutely freaking dominate all the targets and the air yards in this offense. It's just a matter of like, do they connect for the week? He has 39 and 38% target shares over the last two games. Air yard shares of 56% and 57%. Since Will Levis took over as the starter, this guy is just like all the underlyings are there. Are they always going to connect? No. There are some prairie yards here. Like, I'm not going to mm. lie to you. Not, but the intent is still there. He is aiming for DeAndre Hopkins deep. Just sometimes, you know, it's not a very accurate ball. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. But sometimes it is, Ian, and that's enough. So at the price tag you're getting DeAndre Hopkins at, I think he's very similar to Amari Cooper. And it would not surprise anyone. Like if DeAndre Hopkins comes out here and scores 30 fantasy points. He scored 25 last weekend in a PPR. And if you're playing over on DraftKings, you also got the bonus in that game. I know we use that phrase to describe a lot of receivers. We're like, you know, even when they're covered, they're open. Like that actually is DeAndre. Hopkins. Yeah, it actually so, does. Yeah. yeah, so like, yeah, we'll probably get some prayer yards out of that. But I don't even hate those decisions that keep feeding the man the ball and good things will happen sooner rather than later. Later. Final point with all that, guys, like, yeah, Matthew Stafford this week. If you have him on the fantasy squad, only a handful of quarterbacks you're going to want to be starting ahead of him. In Dwayne's specific ranks, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Brock Purdy, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, and Patrick Mahomes. And that's it. And honestly, Dwayne, I got to the Mahomes versus Stafford part. I picked Matthew Stafford, man. I it's crazy. I think it's close enough. I think it's close enough to make. I think it's close enough. The Chris, other name you guys right I there is is Tua, but Tua's got the matchup yeah, the and the weather. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll lean towards Matthew Stafford. I mean, why not? I think it's going to be one of the more up pace like matchups with the way that the Commanders have been playing so far. I know that their drop back over expectation rate dipped over the past few weeks, but like I can see this game being like a more back and forth matchup. Whereas with the Kansas City New England, could be that's like been a- good for them, Chris. That's actually been a plus. The fact that they are a more balanced offense, like that, just fits Stafford better. He's going to yes. come through on yeah. the big plays. Mm-hmm. You just don't want him back there having to drop back 50 times a game running for his life, in my opinion. Like, And they yeah. use a lot of play action off the run games. I, I think this is one of those where 
less is more in this kind mm-hmm. of offense with the way they run the scheme, in my opinion. I, I think I think someone with three Rams is with three good Rams is going to win Best Ball Mania four. They have yeah, three good matchups in a row, low advance rates. Like I love them. And with Kyron Williams being as involved in the passing game as he has been, even when they get into the red zone, like Stafford has still been looking his way. Like once, uh, once they get in with, inside the twenty, inside the ten. So I think a Stafford, Kyron, uh, insert like a Rams wide receiver here. I think that's the way. Like you could easily play it that way, and then I think that's going to be one of the better ways to play it. Like this weekend. Chris said Stafford over Mahomes. Why not? Like, it's not just the most terrifying thing in the world to put Stafford in over Patrick freaking Mahomes win the fantasy playoffs. So, hey, I'm with you, Chris. I'm agreeing with you. But again, I am absolutely <laughs> terrified of, of that proposition. But hey, that's what makes the fantasy playoffs so great at the end of the day. Best of luck to all of you guys out there, whether you're in the fantasy playoffs, whether you're just trying to avoid that last place punishment or just trying to win a few dollars on, you know, DraftKings this weekend. Good luck and enjoy. It is just fantasy football ball after all so appreciate you guys tuning in for Dwayne for Chris for producer James I'm Ian thanks again for tuning in the fantasy life podcast until next time take care everybody